And the rest of us are going to read these this scriptures for today. They are found in the second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 3, verses 12 to 18. Today, we are going to read from the version, New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Again, the letter, the second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 3, verses 12 to 18. The verses are going to be in the screen as well. Since then, we have such a hope. We act with great boldness. Not like Moses who put a veil over his face to keep the people of Israel from gazing at the end of the glory that was being set aside. But their minds were hardened. Indeed, to this very day, when they hear the reading of the old covenant, that same veil is still there. Since only in Christ it is set aside. Indeed, to this very day. Whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord, a thought reflected in a mirror, are being transformed to the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Would you bow with me forward a prayer? Father, we come before you this morning encountering you in the power and truth of your word. Lord, it's an extraordinary gift that you give uh, your word for us that we're able to come to meet you, come to know you, come to grow more closer to you through the reflection we have in your word. And so, Lord, I pray that you would, in the power of your word, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, open our minds that we would know and understand you, open our hearts that we would feel its power. Then, Lord, by your grace, I ask that you would open our hands, that we would, in turn, offer grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Well, Happy New Year. I mean, this is the first Sunday after New Year. And, uh, and, and I want you to know that I love statistics. And statistically speaking, Forbes did a study of what you said you were going to do in this new year. Did you see this? Uh, it, it basically said that half of you, half of you were going to improve your fitness this year. And that a third of you were going to uh, improve your finances. Another third of you were going to improve your mental health. Another third of you were going to lose weight. And nearly a third were going to improve your diet. That's what, that's what you said in a survey that you were going to do. This is extraordinary. So at the end of this year, I'm going to look out and you are going to uh, have more money, less weight, and better mental health. There we go. That's the summary of what 2024 is going to be. Yeah, okay. Yes, yeah. 
Yeah, that's exciting. Everybody's thrilled because, uh, because we know how good that, that, that happens uh, every year. Uh, we are on January the 7th. This is the latest that I have the privilege of being able to wish you Happy New Year's on a Sunday, January 7th. So that probably means that half of you, statistically speaking, have already given up on your New Year's resolution. <laughs> it's already over. It's gone. Um, you, you know, New Year's resolutions are really aims uh, designed to reset our, our rhythms and our habits. A New Year's resolution would be designed to reset rhythms or, or habits, but there's something about the length of time it takes to reset a habit, right? I mean, it, it takes weeks, months, maybe even years to reset a habit. And some of the things that you and I are thinking, oh, in 2024, we're going to do, um, we've been bad at those things for not just weeks or months, but likely years. So how do we turn that page? Because the reality is there's an oppressive monotony that ends up uh, reigning in our lives. What has been will be the same, will be the same, the same old, same old as the saying goes. But are, are, are we satisfied with the same old, same old? Are we satisfied with the status quo? Are we willing to say that what is will always be or what has been will be? Are we satisfied with that? Obviously not, because every year we make resolutions saying that we're going to see differences made. And yet, rhythms, habits, monotony weighs in and seems to signal what you and I really are striving after is not possible. Or is it? Is something different possible? Is something extraordinary possible? Is something for you and for me better than we could uh, ask or imagine possible? And if not just possible, is it even probable or available? And if it's available, how do I achieve it? How do I access it? And that's really what the heart of this year's annual theme is. Our annual themes at Covenant really are a, a, a word that the Lord gives to the church that invites us each to, to move forward in faith together. And for us, this year, the Lord spoke clearly and said that we are to be the mirror image of God's glory as revealed in Jesus Christ. We're to be the mirror image of the glory of God. Now some of you are like, hold on, that's huge. Well, wait, we're going to walk through this. We're going to spend some time in it. But really it's a testimony that transformation is available. Transformation is possible and we don't have to settle for what has been or what is because we know what is available to each of us in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is a hopeful message. It's a year of transformation. It's an invitation to transformation. 
Now, when we hear the the verses that Pastor Dario read and and we see the lead up, there's one verse that kind of sticks out for us because it's more familiar to us. Our ears are attuned to it. It's verse 17. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We, we, we write lyrics to songs about this. It resonates deeply within our souls. And we think through, what does this mean? When we take that verse in isolation, uh, we might, we might uh, identify the word freedom and, uh, and latch on to it. Specifically speaking, uh, we might not have a broader connection to what it means in Scripture, the meta narrative of Scripture, the whole corpus, and we might be thinking freedom is equivalent to independence. And we like independence. We like personal liberty and personal freedom. We're, we're attracted to those things. But biblically, this word freedom, the spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom, does not equate to independence. It doesn't equate to independence because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is now the freedom to be dependent on, not ourselves, but on God, to be in a relationship where we submit fully to God. And so it doesn't equate freedom to independence, but there might be some other overtones that you have uh, adopted uh, in your own mind's eye that are biblical, but not necessarily contextual to what this sentence, what this biblical verse is saying where the spirit of the lord is there's freedom you might think freedom like freedom that david had to be undignified you might equate freedom to undignified that in your worship you would not be uh you would not be ashamed or humiliated to be uh to be expressive or to be vulnerable before the lord that you would offer your whole self that you would be undignified you wouldn't worry about what others would say or think about you but rather you would be intimately connected singularly focused on your relationship with god that you're free to be undignified before the Lord. That's a, a biblical truth. It's not a contextual truth to this particular passage. So it's okay, it's good, but it's not all there is for us. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. You might also think that freedom might be to be unshackled from your sin. That, that you, you might be thinking through the, the Romans road that is articulating the reality that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that we are each shackled to sin, bound by sh- sin and shame, but that does not have the final day where the Spirit of the Lord is. There are, there's a breaking of chains, and we are now free to live, to live holy lives just as he who called us is holy. This also is a biblical truth. It's good that freedom can equate to being unshackled, unbound, but it is not the contextual truth for us here. It's not what Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and 2 Corinthians. And whenever we, whenever we put the contextual framework over it, uh, verse 17, not in isolation, but in what's taking place from verse 12 through verse 18, we see a broader framework that helps us understand what Paul is writing about, the truth that God has for us. You see, verses 12 through, uh, 12 through 16 really echo a piece of verse 18, which is that there's, there's this glory of the Lord uh, that is uh, so 
awesome and so powerful. It, it has the, uh, the, the, the power to overwhelm, to, uh, to even harm, because our unworthiness matched with God's worthiness is more than we can handle. And there's a veil that's set up between us, this veil between us and God. And the, the Mosaic covenant is this, uh, this access, this way in which we can uh, receive God from behind the veil. But that with Jesus' death, the veil was torn in two, and now the glory of the Lord is available to us. Now, this is a dense theological journey for us, and, and when it comes to the veil and it comes to glory, I want you to know that over the course of the next month or so, we're going to unpack a lot of that. We're going to dig into the biblical foundation for veil and glory and what we have uh, in access to the glory of God. But this freedom, what is the freedom that we have where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I believe when you read verse 18 and you wrap ourselves into the context of it, this is the clear truth of that message. Through the Spirit, you and I are free to be transformed into the mirror image of the glory of God. Our freedom, our freedom is to be transformed into the mirror image of the glory of God. And when we hear the freedom is, is, is uh, access to transformation, uh, now the word transformation is loaded down for us. And, and we have different ideas of what transformation looks like. If you grew up when I grew up, then transformation basically just means transformers, the more that meets the eye. Right, that's that's what that's what we have for us, and 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 transformers are alien uh, uh, machines, uh, entities that come down, and what they do is uh, they scan the uh, the the image of something in this world and then replicate it so they uh, they look like it. Uh, where Bumblebee can look like a, what like a Mustang, evidently. I wonder how much Ford paid for that. Um, uh, where, uh, where Optimus Prime can look like an 18-wheeler. I don't see 18-wheelers that look that good on the road. Do you? Like uh, all the ones I see have like torn up, jacked up mud flaps and scratches and dings and dents. But anyway, so for me, transformation has that equivalent to transformers. But the reality is whenever we start to impose that frame of reference on our minds, we absolutely cannot arrive at the transformation available to us in Jesus Christ, and that is because we are not being transformed into the image of something we see in the world around us, to some sort of cultural norm or some sort of worldly fixture. No, not at all. The transformation available for us is into the glory of the invisible God made visible in our Savior, God's Son, Jesus Christ. Also, whenever I think about transformation, transformation, I, I'm wrapped up into an understanding of what actors do or actresses do whenever they are beginning to play a role. Uh, they, they try to get into the script and get into the character and, and decide what it would be to become that person or that, that individual's, uh, that uh, reflect that individual's character on the screen. 
I think about my cousin whenever I was growing up. I mentioned, uh, on, uh, I think on Christmas Eve, I had gone and visited my, my favorite cousin, Raymond, uh, at one of our family Christmases. Probably the reason why he's my favorite cousin is because of like what I remember of him in transformation. So Raymond would babysit uh, my sisters and I during the summer whenever my mom and dad were still at work. You know, he was the one, he actually was like a live, he was a live-in nanny. I never put that together. Uh, my cousin Raymond was a live-in nanny. I'm going to text him later on and say, do you realize you were a live-in nanny? He was. Um, but, but he would play with us, my, my three sisters and I. And, and I remember distinctly sitting in the living room in Wharton, Texas. And, uh, and we were there in the living room, and he was entertaining us. And it, was, it seems like hours on end he was doing this deal where where he would stand in this doorway, it was this double-framed doorway, and, and, and he would hide, and when he put his face out, he would be one character, like all in, fully sold out, and it was not Raymond, it was someone else, and he was sold out for that role, and, and he wouldn't break, uh, he wouldn't break into his, his actual identity as Raymond, he would just live into it, and then he would go in the other side of the doorframe, and then he would come back out and he was Raymond. And then he would go back, and, he, and, and then he would go back, and then he was this other, and this, and this other character was, uh, was larger than life and had just this effusive personality, and, and Raymond was otherwise just very kind of calculated. And, and I mean, he's a, he's a good dude, but just very uh, mellow. And so whenever I think of transformation, I think of Raymond being able to go in and out of character, back and forth, but that's not the transformation we have available to us. And, it's, and if transformation in any way, shape, or form has, has a connotation for you, that, that you are moving in and out of character, that you are, that you are transforming just for the opportunity to, to, to transform back, to go back and forth on repeat, then, then you and I are missing the boat there. That's not what we have. That's not the transformation available for us. You see, we are being transformed into the image of God's glory. Now, you might have noticed that when Pastor Dario came up, he didn't lift up the, the altar Bible today and read from the altar Bible. He brought his own Bible because that's, what, that's because I asked him to read from the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version today, because the NIV absolutely botches this verse. Our theme verse for the year is 2 Corinthians 3.18. 2 Corinthians 3.18, and I hope that you will uh, uh, take an intentional investment this year to memorize this verse because it has such incredible weighty uh, matters for you and I to, uh, to adopt into our lives for us to come to know and understand. And the NRSV has a much more accurate, accurate translation of a specific word, I'll get to that in a second. But let's, let's hear that, that verse. What would it be for us to have this verse imprinted upon us and to actually understand what it means? Because at first read, this is a very hard to understand verse. It says, And all of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord that is the Spirit. This is a profoundly rich verse. And all of us with unveiled faces. 
So uh, you and I, uh, all of us, at not just you and I, but everyone in the world has uh, available to them the opportunity to have unveiled faces. Unveiled meaning that we no longer have a barrier between us and God that is sin because Jesus paid the final price for our sin on the cross. And when we call on his name, we are brought into relationship with Jesus. And the veil has been torn in two and it no longer covers us and no longer covers our faces. And each of us, all of us, you see, this isn't limited. It's, it's not just for, uh, for a certain class of Christian. And it's, it's not even just for Christians, but it's available to the entire world. But each person receives this gift when they call on the name of the Lord. They have unveiled, we have unveiled faces. But when we have unveiled faces, we see the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror. That's the, the word that that I want to make sure you, you see. If, you, if your day-to-day uh, Bible translation is the NIV, as is our common practice here at Covenant, uh, that word reflected uh, is uh, more commonly translated as contemplate, that, that you would contemplate the glory of the Lord or the image of the glory of the Lord. And that's a real failure in translation. That word contemplate can mean reflect, but when you think about contemplate, then you think about the word reflect as a mental exercise, like a thought practice. I'm reflecting on this idea. Uh, But it's not a reflection of the idea of the glory of the Lord. That's not the Greek. The Greek is a reflection like the mirror reflection. So when you look at a mirror and you see yourself I mean, how, how awesome is that, that we could see ourselves? Have you ever thought about that, that historically speaking, this is not a, a normal practice? Over the course of the centuries of history, there were people that hadn't been able to see themselves as clearly as you and I can because we have mirrors. They would have uh, really... Uh, uh, they, they would have the ability to see themselves either in like a steel or a, on a, a lake or maybe in a cloudy mirror. But the mirrors that we have in this century, in the last few centuries, it, it brings our uh, ability to see ourselves at a whole nother level. This, this opportunity to reflect the mirror image of the glory of God that's an accurate translation of that Greek word. And so I, I do invite you as you're studying this verse over the course of the year, letting it, uh, letting it just uh, bless you and pour over you that you would have that, uh, that better translation of reflect instead of contemplate there. But isn't that an overwhelming thought, church? It's an overwhelming thought. That through the Spirit, we reflect the mirror image of God's glory into the world. Through the Spirit, we reflect the mirror image of God's glory into the world. I don't know about you, but that's, uh, that's intimidating to me. It's, it's daunting. It's... It's, it's drastic, it's extreme, 
Uh, I'm so unworthy, I'm so inept, I'm incapable, how, me, why? Uh, All of these thoughts and questions come rushing over me whenever that biblical truth is spoken over me. How am I, God, me? Are you serious, me? I'm going to reflect your glory, a mirror image of your glory, into the world? And he says, yes, you, that's how I've designed it. That's how I've designed you so that you can be my reflection into the world. You see, this is made possible because of what Jesus did. Jesus already accomplished the the, the way in which this is now available to us, you know, uh, It wouldn't be possible if our sin was still a barrier keeping us from uh, from authentic and intimate relationship with God. But because of the cross and the sacrifice of the Son, we have access. It is possible because of what Jesus did. And now, even today, in this very moment, it's available to you and to me, this transformed reality Because of what the Spirit is doing amongst us. You see, the Spirit of the living God is being poured out upon the church and into the people of God so that we are being transformed from the inside out so our lives can be held up as a mirror to the world so that God's glory would reign supreme. This truth that through the Spirit, We reflect the mirror image of God's glory into the world. It's made available through Jesus. It's made possible through the Holy Spirit. And now how do you and I receive it? How do we step forward? It's really in humble submission. It's in offering ourselves to the Lord and saying, Lord, not my will but yours. Lord, pour out your spirit in me. Lord, use me how you want to. Uh, uh, Direct my path in the ways that you want to. Guide me and let me offer my whole self to you. Last year, uh, I I gave you some resources at the beginning of the year, some challenges if you wanted to read the Bible for the very first time from cover to cover that you could do so by by going through the Bible in a Year podcast with Father Mike. And and, and, uh, many of you did, and I praise God for that. That journey is transformative. And so if you didn't do that last year and you want to dive into the God's Word more fully, that's one way to do it. I also recommended uh, the Bible Project New Testament reading where you could read through the entire New Testament over the course of the year. And I know that many of you did that. And I'm thankful for that because uh, diving into who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us is spectacular. I recommend that. But this year, I have a, a very simple practice that I have laid into my own uh, daily rhythms of spiritual discipline that I want to invite you to consider as well. I want to invite you to consider this as our invitation to mirror image, as our invitation uh, to reflect the image of the glory of God into the world. And it's a very simple prayer. It's a profound prayer. It comes to me and to us through our tradition as Methodists, through our heritage as Wesleyans. So John Wesley wrote the Wesleyan 
covenant prayer. This might be familiar to you. I'm going to read it and then I'm going to invite you to to find it uh, available to you online. We'll also have it available posted through our streams as well. But then I pray that you would incorporate this into your daily rhythms as we each pursue a mirror image of the glory of God. So I'm going to read this through and then we'll come back to the beginning and this will be our our prayer to close our time uh, around the word together. It says, Father in heaven, I'm no longer my own but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine. So be it. In the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. This prayer of covenant, this prayer of submission, this prayer that invites you and me to offer ourselves fully to the use, to the disposal of the Lord, that's where the Spirit moves and is invited in to take control so that we might be that mirror image of the glory of God. I invite you to join with me in incorporating this into your daily devotion, to praying this prayer with me every day this year so that we might reflect God's glory. Would you join me in praying this prayer? Father in heaven, I am no longer my own but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee, or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee, or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty, let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Thou art mine, and I am thine, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen.